right. Welcome to Thrive. Welcome to Thrive, everybody. Good to see you all. And, uh, I, you know, Allie, as she was praying in tongues at the end of the worship there, uh, <laughs> what she was trying to say is the, the, the connect card and the seat back in front of you. If you'll fill that out, if you've never filled one of these out, we would love to connect with you. Uh, even in, Also, if you need any, have any prayer needs, anything that you would like for us to call and, and pray with you over, you'll fill this out. We really will. Like we have a pastoral care team that calls and, and see, checks up on you, see how you're doing. Thanks you for being here. And so it's a real, it's not just, hey, fill this out, nobody calls you. We really will, and we really do want to pray for you. We know there's a great need right now uh, in the body of Christ, and so uh, please do fill that out. We want to connect with you. We want to build relationship with you. Now more than ever, has there, is there a time that it is important for us to have good, solid, strong relationships? And we'll break into that a little bit in the message, but uh, I want to remind you too, this Wednesday is coming first Wednesday. And so we come in here at 6 o'clock, and there's always something really fun at the end of service. And we just get to go a little bit deeper into a topic, whatever God's putting on our hearts in that, and for that first Wednesday. And so um, I'm excited about this, this one, uh, so, but I'm excited about everyone, so that doesn't mean anything. So I'm just like, I love to come in and meet with you guys and, and hang out and, and worship together, give a little word, get our hearts changed, and then we get to eat, eat something really good. Usually a food truck comes through or something happens, and it's like, oh, this is wonderful. It's better than that old uh, potluck that you used to have, probably. <laughs> Except for that one lady's like, no, I love my potluck. We always put it down. Sorry about that. But... <laughs> And then also tonight is our Love Thy Neighbor. We meet, uh, several churches get together, and we worship according to the style of the house. And so we'll be going over to, uh, over to Sand Springs for tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, Sand Springs Church, just right on 1616, if y'all want to join us. Uh, just a fun night to worship together with the body of Christ. And then uh, yeah, also, hey, good news. This is the beginning of the month this week coming up. And so it's your opportunity to be blessed. And so how we do that is we bring the provision, the, the blessings, the portion, 10% of what God says uh, God says and gives us, bring it into the house of the Lord, and he just blesses the other 90%. Who, who doesn't want 90% of everything they have to be blessed? <laughs> I do. I certainly do, and God has just done great things through that. So just a reminder, this week is the beginning of the month. Now, I'm, I'm speeding through things because I just want to buy a little more time for myself on the back end. But we, I don't know if you saw this coming in or if you have one of these. There's a little booklet, and there's several back there on the Connect desk. We build these for your sake so that you can take notes throughout the message. Sometimes the best, the best message you get is what the Holy Spirit is telling you, and I didn't even, I may not even mentioned it. But I just kind of led you down a trail or a journey and a topic, and then God began to speak to you personally about something He wanted to speak with you about because that's really what it's about. You don't even need me, really. I'm just here to help you develop maturity and spiritual disciplines and principles so that you can have that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so these are back there in that desk. It won't offend me if you get up right now. I mean, you don't mind getting up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the message. So right now is a great time to get to, to go ahead and grab this right here. And so you can feel it. You go in as, as we're going through it. You feel this out. Take some notes and write little scribbles alongside. But the beauty of it is you're not getting everything you need on a Sunday service. And you're like, it's, not, it's because you, Pastor, you can't bring the meat. No, I can, I, I can whittle this down to about 10 people who love to go really deep. But we're, we're trying to reach the lost and the saved, and we're trying to take everybody on a journey. We have moments like this first Wednesday where we can go a little bit deeper. 
But the idea is you take this home from the weekend and you open it up on your own. Maybe you light a little candle, turn a little worship music, little keys in the background or whatever it is. And then you open this up and you say, Holy Spirit, let's just talk about what we talk, what we discussed Sunday. And you open up your Bible and we go, you go through it with the Lord. And all of a sudden he starts to teach you more in depth. I, I like to use this analogy because when I was growing up, there was a, a place that my mom would always take me called Barron's Bookstore in Longview, Texas. And so I'd always go to the kids section and I'd pull out that book that had the pop-outs. Like you just open it up and it had the pop-outs. It's like, oh, these are the greatest things ever. It's like so 3D. 3D before 3D was 3D. It was like, or hologram before hologram existed. You know, it, it, yes. Which probably led me down a different journey later in life. But it's okay. <laughs> I'm back. I'm saved. Some of y'all caught that. Some of you did not. Long story short, grab this, fill it out, and get in the Word in the middle of the week so that God can do even more, because He's the one who provides, He's the feeder, He's the one who has the sustenance that you actually need. And we're just here as leadership, we're not here to give you everything you need, but we're here to give you the tools that you do need from spiritual disciplines and principles, so that you take those, put them in your tool belt, your little spiritual tool belt, your little fanny pack, take them out, and then you use them on a daily basis all throughout the day. And so with that being said, we are in the last message of this series. We've talked about the robe of righteousness. We've talked about, Allie, Allie brought it last week. I don't know if you were here, but man, man, I, I'm glad to be honored to be able to call her man meat. I side, I mean, uh, husband. And so, <laughs> hey. It's all glorious, but it's not quite what she's got. She's got it going on. Hey, husbands, you want to build the wife up. (laughs) It works out for you really well. Here she comes right now. Everybody. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about Sue. She talked about the ring of authority, a ring of authority. And now we're talking about shoes of sonship. And if I can't implore you enough that you've got to get this series because it's all about identity. It's about identity in Christ, who we are when we come to Christ and we, create, we, we make him Lord and Savior of our lives, truly Lord and Savior, and then he creates something new on us, he, in us and on us. He, he puts a robe of righteousness on us. He says, you're righteous. I don't feel righteous. Well, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And then he puts a ring of authority, his authority, not our own authority, by the way. And then he says... Here, I've got some sandals for you. Will you accept them? Some shoes of sonship. Will you accept those? And if you don't get this message, this is one of those big breakers of life because if you don't really discover what your identity is, you will always be a mirror reflection of anything that you deem to be valuable and it will always be shaken and never be foundational on the Word of God. So you'll always be a reflection of the world around you, something that you caught from this place and thought, well, that's good, I'll use that. You don't know that you're doing this, but you're doing this because you see it as valuable. But when we see our relationship with our Father very valuable, our Heavenly Father, all of a sudden we begin to reflect His face. We reflect His goodness. We reflect Him as Moses would do when he spent time in the presence in relationship with God the Father. But until we discover identity... We will always, from bondage to bondage and hurt to hurt, trauma to trauma, and right now we are in the most traumatic season of our, anybody alive, our knowing and our existence and our life ever. 
The last 20, what has shifted and changed over the last 24 months has rocked our world so much so we don't even know we're in a cloud of trauma. Because everything that we knew to be, be real is now not, and it's all shaken, and what was systematic and consistent is no longer, and now we're fighting psychologically and in our soul to get things back in order, but unfortunately, because of the trauma, we're trying to do it our way and the way that we think it should be, because our fight or flight senses start to kick in and say, no, I'm going to make things right in my world. Unfortunately, it's causing a lot of bondage in our own lives. And we don't, here's, here, look, here's the grace on this. We don't know that we're doing it. We don't know until we realize, I'm so anxious. I'm afraid of what's going to happen next. There's an intrepidation about me, about life in general. I have this sense of depression, of worry. I, don't, I just feel like I want to withdraw from everything. By the way, that's the, one of the signs of a nervous breakdown. But Jesus says, or actually, the Holy Spirit says through Paul that God did not give us a spirit of fear. All those are attributes of fear. Control, trying to control things to where I'm going to make sure everything's right in my life. Control is an aspect of fear. I'm afraid that God can't handle it, so I will. And anybody messes with my systems and my ways of living, they're going to get it. Because I can control this thing. Pandemic is shaking everything, the, the presidential uh, race and debates and issues, and, and it, it's right. They were voted in. No, they won't. They're, they're cheated. Nothing works anymore. Now, all of a sudden, I can't trust anybody or anything. I'm going to make my world right. And we don't realize we're being trapped and tricked by the enemy. We're in a, a season even right now, so you have Russia attacking Ukraine, and, and, and even now there's a, a nuclear threat towards Ukraine because of Russia. Listen, this, these are prophetic times, but when we get too lost in the government systems of the world and the nations, and we're too, we're too connected to the worldly systems than we are the kingdom systems, we're going to be like house built on the sand, is what Jesus said. So when the rains come, we're going to shake all over the place so that fear, anxiety, and trepidation, depression, worry, all this stuff that causes more control, and rather than a love, power, and a sound mind, which is what Jesus has given us, all that stuff starts to rock our world, creates trauma in our minds, and so we don't make wise decisions. And even more, more so, we pull away from anybody who can help us make wise, sound decisions because they can't be right either. I'm the only one that's right. Altar, altar call right now. I get everybody say. <laughs> so what you have is you, you have a prophetic time that's happening. Ezekiel 38, you, there's, a, there's a place called Magog, and, and it's believed that many theologians believe that Russia is Magog. Well, the prophecy is from the north, Magog will begin to infiltrate down to Israel and attack Israel from the north. So these are very prophetic times. And Jesus said there will be plagues, there will be wars and rumors of wars, right? But he says, hey, look up, look, look up. And, and Paul even says, don't, don't put your mind on th- things down here, put your mind on, on things above, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is righteous, those things right there, because that, that's kingdom stuff. So king's people are supposed to believe and live from a kingdom perspective according to the king. Who's your king? Jesus. I hope. 
But when intrepidation is leading our lives, when, when depression is on the rise and mental health issues are, are increasing and, and suicide is following, and when you have thousands of churches closing and pastors even, even quitting their jobs, their calling, it, it's different. But when our system, when our, our belief system and our government truly is the kingdom of God and being on the rested on Jesus' shoulders, we can set our minds on things above and we can be a house built on the rock, which is Jesus. We're firm and solid. We're on a solid foundation through no matter what's going on in the world. I know, as Jesus says, when plagues come and wars are talking about, he says, look up. Redemption and restoration is on its way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that. Look up. And so you have Russia, supposedly 150 some thousand soldiers. So this is, this, is, this is real stuff. You need to know. This is from a, a, a pastor's platform uh, presentation, so to speak. So you have, you have them in the, in the north in Russia, right there all around Ukraine. You have, we sent about 3,000 ish American soldiers over to uh, Poland and, and Romania, and, and they're standing the ground, which is opposite Ukraine. So Russia's here from your angle, Ukraine, and then Russia and, I mean, sorry, Poland and, and Romania. And so as Russia pursues through Ukraine, this is all prophecy, which is, it, it's going to happen. Russia and Ukraine used to be the Soviet Union. Russia's like the, the, the boyfriend that's, that's, that's angry and, and abusive and been, has been beating up on Ukraine. Ukraine says, no, I break up with you. We're going to separate. And now Russian, you know, the boyfriend wants his, time, his, his place back. So... Prophetically, that's, that's supposed to happen. That's going to happen. And so now you have this token of American soldiers that are down in Poland and Romania. And so should Russia take the bait and they push through Ukraine and say, you know what? Like Hitler, let's just take all of Europe. Let's just, let's just go after this thing. We'll pursue all the way down to Israel. The token will be they'll take out the American soldiers and then there will be a, it's a trigger for a greater war to come if that happens. But don't worry. And I'm trying to give you a heads up because if it does happen, don't worry. That trigger will be there will be a greater war because those token American soldiers that are out there, are, the intention, the government intention is to create a, a bigger problem. So, so just know, don't be, don't, be, don't be deceived by this stuff that's taking place because if, you're, if your mind and your life is so connected to the government, the natural world governments, and you can't see the, the kingdom government taking place. You can't see what needs to happen. And it's going to be good for us because here's the key. If we will be steadfast and on a found, firm foundation through everything, and we'll allow God to, to, to heal our emotions and use some of this trauma experience to bring up the negative emotions that are in our lives with the Holy Spirit. He will identify places in our soul that are hurt and wounded or rejected and, and, and that he just wants to work on and sit down with us through experience because you've been taking notes and during the week you're going and you're sitting down with the Father and you're just, he's healing you through it all because that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do, by the way. That's what Jesus said. And so he's healing your emotions emotions, your mind, your will even, and he's healing you so that what happens is the church emerges as a beacon of light, a city on the hill, a city on the hill, that's our call, so that a lost and broken world and confused finally says, there's got to be a better way than what I've been choosing. I need something that's truly stable, and I don't know what it is. Look, there's the church, and she's consistent. She's steadfast. She's on a rock, a firm foundation. And the government's on her shoulders. 
I'm trying to give you a bigger picture so you don't get all worried and nervous and anxious and, and try to control the world around you any more than you already are. But let's get into this message because this is also why we need to get in a Thrive Tribe, a, a small group, because, because of mental health and the rise of emotional uh, problems and mental health issues, that one of, the, one, of the, one of the attributes, indicators, is people pulling away from family and friends, getting away, just starting to isolate. So as a, as, as a faith step, as a principle, as a discipline, no, 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 that's my tendency because of my emotional health, my mental health stuff that's going on. No, I need to, by faith, step into community with a circle of B people who are on the same journey. They're not perfect either, and I'm jacked up, but we're going in a direction, and we're choosing that the Bible and the cross will have the last decision in our emotions. That's a wonderful thing to decide. But I want to do it with others because I need help because I'm going to have a rough day and my emotions are going to flare up and I need somebody that I can trust beyond myself because I can't trust my emotions. Not in a traumatic world in the shadow of all the trauma that we're enduring together. We're all navigating through it. There's no one that's separated from this thing. So I need people around me. That's why we have Thrive Tribes. That's why we have small groups. We can go a little bit deeper than Pastor Nathan's willing to go on Sundays. We can grow together. We can actually build relationships that keep us from nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns. Isn't that great news? Amen. Hallelujah for that. But then also, we have Financial Hope Workshop. is one of our tribes right here on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., 6 to 7.30. We've only had one. You haven't missed anything. The next one will be March 9th. Come to that one if you don't have any other to get a part of. Here's the reason. Because we're giving you biblical principles from a freedom standpoint and a financial standpoint. Because a lot of times some of our biggest issues and traumas, they affect our finances. And then when our finances are instable, so are we instable. Because I'm just going to call it what it is. We got a wrong source. And so when we can help you get your finances in order, you, like you don't even have to be in debt. But you can all, we can all be more blessed than what we currently are. So we get all this in order. We start to learn new principles and we realize, oh, this actually has spiritual disciplines to it because we're also dealing with the heart issues as to why we are not able to steward well what already belongs to God. So we help you with all, all of that, and then you start to see this applies to my relationships. It applies to my business. It applies to my church. It applies to all areas. Y'all good? All right. Luke 15, we're talking about the prodigal son, the, the parable of the prodigal son, which is blended into three different, uh, different parables. And a parable is what Jesus would use. In fact, uh, Matthew, Mark says that Jesus never spoke in his public ministry without using a parable. Parable, that's why it's important for us to know. Parable is, means parabole is something that Jesus would throw alongside, a story to throw alongside a truth so he could bring volume to the people so that they would understand, hopefully, what he was trying to deliver them in a message. And so this prodigal son is one of three in a, in, in a series of parables that Jesus was delivering to the Pharisees so that they would understand the goodness of God. And so in this, he says, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Remember, these are the three spiritual attributes that God gives us whenever we come to Jesus. He brings out a robe, a robe of righteousness. He brings out a ring, the ring of authority. And then he says, hey, and then put some sandals on his feet. And the, the sandals are the sandals of sonship. He's like, oh, you're a son. You're a son. But sandals, so in a moment I'm going to explain what 
you get, like the, 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 what comes with the sandals that come from God. I'm going to explain that in a minute, but first let's discuss number one. And just, Number one is this. You've got you to take off your shoes. You've got to take off your shoes. Take off your sandals. So sandals actually, or shoes actually represent the rights, your rights. So the father was giving back the son his rights, bring him a robe of righteousness, bring him a ring of authority, and said, here, listen, these rights of sonship, these are yours. These belong to you. And now in the Bible, when you took off your shoes, when you took off your shoes, it meant that you were laying down your rights. And so the son, he was like, no, no, no. Remember, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Make me a servant. He says, no. Daddy says, no. Son, you're not a servant. You're a son. Here's your, sand, here's your sandals of sonship. Well, we see in Ruth 4, 7, there is a story which is actually a, a shadow type of Jesus. And it's, it's both, Ruth had lost her husband. And her daughter, Naomi, maybe you know, I'm sorry, Ruth and Naomi, maybe you know them. Well, there was a family redeemer that in this time, if a brother died or lost his brother, he would have to take his brother's wife to be his wife to redeem the family, to redeem his brother, redeem the line, and give his brother children and a good name. And so in the story, you see this, and in the story, the redeemer, the family redeemer, as he's identified in the scriptures, actually says, no, no, Boaz comes to him and said, hey, there's some property, some land, and, and then also a spouse to come along with this. And the family redeemer says, no, no, I, I'm going to lay that down. Here's what it looks like. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. And by the way, that's what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us, and then he exchanged his life for our life. And so that's the shadow type right there. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal. He took his shoe off. And they gave it to the other, and it, this was a confirmation in Israel. So it was confirmed that, okay, he's laying down his rights to, for acquisition of property and to marry this woman. He laid it down. So Boaz said, I'll take, up, I'll, I'll take that up. It now became his right legally. All right. So he redeemed. And then Deuteronomy 25.7 says this, But if a man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband, my, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of... Whoa, that was really quick. Duty of my husband's brother. Number eight, verse eight. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I don't want to take her. Like, can you imagine this? I'm like, I'm trying to picture this. I love to picture the humor of the, the God has a lot of humor, by the way. He's like, I don't. Uh-uh. Have you seen her? And the attitude she carries? Mm-mm-mm. I told my brother not to marry her. I'm not about to take up that burden. There's a cross I'm not going to take up with my brother. And he's like, no, no. And then his brother's wife shall come. She gets her revenge. She'll come to him in the presence of the elders. Remove his sandal. I'm going to take your rights from you. Of his, from his foot. Spit in his face. He's like, I'll take that spit in the face any day. <laughs> and answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. 
And in his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal removed. Could you imagine that being your new legal name? You go to the bank and you're needing a loan and the loan officer says, great, we want to help you. What's your name? The. Uh, you have a last name? Removed. And it hits him. Oh, what does he look like? <laughs> oh, boy. Could... <laughs> But when you take off your shoes, take your shoes off, it means you're giving up your rights. And let me show you another place, a couple other places in the Bible where you see this. Remember Moses and the burning bush. What is the first thing that God says to do for Moses? Yeah, this is holy ground. Remove your sandals. What he's saying is, you want to come to me? You want to come into my presence? You want to experience me? Then you're going to have to lay down your rights. That's really, really good. And the place where you're standing is holy. And the same thing happens to Joshua. Joshua 5, 13, 15 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as the commander of the Lord's army, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off for your, of your foot. So for the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. And here's what he said. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Will you give up? Your rights. There's no way Israel could have defeated Jericho. And so this is Jesus, showing the commander of the Lord's army is Jesus. He shows up. Joshua's leading the Hebrew children into war at Jericho. There's no way they could defeat him. And he says, oh, I've got strategy for you, but I'm not going to give you my strategy for you until you start to let down your rights and your strategy for your life. And the moment he did, he, he laid down his, he took his sandals off. He worshiped and he said, okay, I'll lay down my rights. And then the Lord gave him strategy to defeat the enemy in front of him. So many of us have a cycling enemy in our life and we keep de- getting defeated in a certain domain of our life because we're holding to our rights. And as, as citizens of any nation, you start to focus more on your rights, any nation, than you do the rights of the Father. And that's one of the biggest bondages we have. We have to decide, are we a citizen of heaven first or are we a national of wherever we're from? Because one is always going to trump the other. So Joshua asked him, are you for us or are you for them? He said, no. Not for either one of you. I'm for the way of the Lord. And so many of us are at that place, well, I'm not going to do that because of this, this, and this. I'm going to choose to do this. And when what you really need to do is say, no, Holy Spirit, what do you say? What will be the right thing? What's going on in heaven that applies to this right here? What does your word say? Because i got to settle some stuff with his word. He said, no, it's not your way. It's not their way. It's my way. It's like when you're at the restaurant, at a restaurant in the drive-thru, and they ask you, would you like a french fries and apple, or fries and apple pie with that? Yes. The answer is yes. No. No. 
I would not like an apple pie and french fries with my salad. Thank you very much. I'm on a diet. But since I'm on a diet, give me a large Diet Coke. Which people do that makes no sense. You might as well have a cheeseburger, triple cheeseburger, and some water and actually enjoy your meal. But the Lord said, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take the lead. And at the moment that he says that, in every domain of our lives, we have to decide, are we going to lay down our rights, or are we going to stick to our rights? And we have the cultural deception in this upcoming generation, and it's called my truth. Well, I have my truth. Well, let me tell you, any truth that you have that's opposite or abstract to the Word of God, it's a full deception. And sadly, because of the world that we've grown up in and this generation has grown up in, they have decided with their arrogance and their pride to say, no, I have my truth and here's my truth. Well, good job. Because you're choosing bondage over freedom that's been given at the cross. And as you walk in Christ, that's one of the blessings that you get to receive. However, it's not automatic. Rights. So number one, take off your shoes. Number two, good news, pastor's putting his shoes back on. Put your shoes back on, because what happens is Jesus takes them, he refines them, he does something different to them, he blesses them, he he Holy Spirit anoints them, and he says, here, now you can have some some true sandals, some real sandals. You can have the sandals of sonship. So put on your shoes. Number two, put your shoes back on. Your rights of sonship. It's not what, what you can do, how great you are, what you can earn, how much better you are than the people around you, so you're good to go. Don't worry about growing in me, because that's a big problem right there, a comparison. Well, I'm better than everybody else around me, so I really don't have to challenge myself much. What? I don't understand it. The rights rights are too many to name that you get with these shoes of sonship, but let me give you about four that we can identify. The first one is in Acts 1. Jesus says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be Jesus' witness. Many of us can't witness because we haven't received power. Why? We haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit because we're holding to our rights. And for as long as our will is stronger than our willingness to submit to him, then we'll never receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And it's empowered, it's empowerment to live this spiritual life that we're called to live because of our rights. So when the world is getting shaken, we are too because of my rights and my wills not willing to be submitted to him so that I can receive the fullness that he has to offer me. Ephesians 6 says also that you're in the spiritual warfare, being clothed. He says your feet will be shod, will be covered with readiness and the gospel of peace. So when it's getting shaken, the world's getting shaken. I'm not ready because I'm all shook and I'm full of fear because, and I don't have peace because I haven't given up my rights. I get to change my rights and my, create, my, 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 my fear-driven decisions for a sound mind and peace and readiness for anything that comes my way? Amen. Sign me up. Number three is this. Jesus says, Behold, I give you authority to tread over, tread, tread over the power of the enemy. He says, Snakes and scorpions. He's saying, Listen, I'm going to give you some snake boots. Good news. Like Ali's boots, you got little, little knee highs. You're going to have some snake boots. No, that's, that's not what he's saying. That's really supposed to be funny, guys. Come on. Lighten up. Hey, thank you. Feel my ego right there. You're laughing at my story. I'm going to get a smile out of some of y'all. Amen. 
But he says in another, Mark 6, 6, he says, he called the 12 disciples together and began sending them out. This is not in your notes and it's not on the screen. I was reading this in my private time yesterday. He says he called them together and two by two. He sent the disciples out. He says, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. Listen, no provision. Don't take any provisions with you. He, see, he allowed them to wear sandals but to not take a change of clothes. Why? Because you already have a robe of righteousness. What else do you need? What do you need? But he said, hey, take your sandals. Then he even says, go to a place and find if they receive you in that place, then stay there. If they don't receive you, then dust your feet off and let them have their own way. He said, shake your feet off. That's dust from your feet. And he says, and show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Jesus What he's saying is, man, just go and love on them and give them the gospel. Tell them about what God can do, what I can do for them. Give them everything that I got for you. But if they won't accept it, don't worry about it. And don't let culture change you by carrying dust on your feet to the next place you go. Because their chaos in their mind that's keeping them from believing the fullness of what I have for them, don't let it affect you. And don't let it affect my kingdom. Don't let it affect how you see me and see my word and your relationship with me. Come on. Amen. And and codependents will struggle with this verse right here because you will kill yourself trying to help somebody who doesn't want help. I'm preaching. And another would be freedom. And this is a big one. Second Chronicles 28, Israel took some of the children of Judah. They stripped their sandals off of them. They were enslaving them. A prophet shows up and says, hey, God sees what you're doing. He doesn't like it. If you keep going the path you're going, you're going to feel the wrath of God. And they say, wait a minute, never mind, my bad, wrong people. I thought they were somebody else. They say, here, have your shoes back. They gave them their sandals back. Specifically in the Bible it says they gave them their sandals back and restored them. So the picture is, your way causes bondage in your life, but his way causes freedom. Luke 15, remember the prodigal son, that's where we're at, 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he was received and safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, the big brother was, and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered the big brother said, and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Like I've been working for it. I deserve it. I have rights. I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, which is a lie, by the way, because there's only one person that's never transgressed. That's Jesus. Thank you. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He says, what are you talking about? When he divided, the pro- when he divided all, the, all the property and gave the prodigal son his part, the older son, by law, by, by rule, by rights, had the bigger portion. And he had all the goats. He had all the sheep, all the fatted calves. So there's a second lie. You know, sometimes when we're stuck to our rights, we start to believe so much deception, we can't see the truth. Verse 30, but as soon as the son of yours came, he who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. 
And let me tell you, this is, this is, this is the rights, this sums up the rights for sons and daughters, for you and I. What you get is the presence and the provisions of God. What else do you need? Son, while you're with me, all that I have is yours. In Luke 15, 1 and 3, says, Then the tax collectors and sinners, by the way, they're always connected. <laughs> they drew near, and the more April draws near, you'll understand what I'm saying. They drew near to him and hear, and hear him. And with the Pharisees and scribes complaining, complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, he spoke this parable to him. That's when he begins to speak this series of three parables, which is one big parable broken down into three different stories, and he talks about the prodigal son being one of those. And he proceeded, and to show how much the father loves to recover stolen kids. He's showing us that it's all grace and not works at all. And think about how many Bible stories you've heard when Jesus was explaining it's works. It's not, I mean, sorry, it's not works, it's grace. It's grace, not works. And so in this story, Jesus is revealing that the Father loves to receive those who have lived in sin and are now coming back to him. Oh, he loves it. And Jesus, they hated it. Like the Pharisees hated the fact that Jesus was hanging out with them. Why? Because they felt like they had earned right standing or their relationship with God. And they were mad because Jesus was now making a free way to get to the Father. And if you think, when, when you think, I have earned my place, I have earned my relationship with God because of, I've been tithing, I've been serving, I led a tribe, I've been going out into the community, I've been showing up to Sunday on church every day, and this person comes in, they've been lost and they get saved, and now people are giving them attention. What about me? I want attention. Ooh, a religious spirit. Or you think, well, because I earned my relationship with God and where I am and how much I've grown in all of my spiritual hierarchy, they need to do the same. Or because I've grown in relationship and I've become so mature spiritually and I've done all these things, I clicked all the, checked all the right boxes and I filled out that, that card on the back of the seat back in front of you. I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I served in every ministry. So they need to earn relationship with me. And then you give them the cold shoulder because they don't act, or you, you, you begin to ignore them because they don't act like they should act. They don't behave like they should behave. And until they begin to act like you want them to act or act and behave in church like they should act, you just ignore them and give them the cold shoulder. Religious, pharisaical spirit. And in this series, I'm going to give you this series in a statement. We are sons and daughters completely and totally by grace. And grace is pregnant with everything that we need to live a supernaturally blessed life. But it's going to require us letting go, taking our sandals off, letting go of our rights to pick up his rights. In Luke 15, 17 and 19, he says, he says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants? See, a hired servant is someone who earned what they get. And he's thinking, when I do good... I'm good, and I get to be a son. When I do bad, I'm bad, and so I don't get to be a son. And he's thinking, well, if I, if I can be like the ones who are hired, who, who 
who actually are earning what they're getting paid, then maybe I can get, get what I feel like the Father should be giving me. But God the Father says, no, you're a son, here's your sandals. You didn't even have to earn it. And so we have these children that are growing up in these homes. And when, when they were good, they felt like daddy loved them, mama loved them. When they were bad, they feel like they weren't getting the love. And so now they're adults. And when they're good, they think, my father in heaven loves me. When they're bad, they think, my father in heaven doesn't love me. Let me tell you something. Your father in heaven loves you no matter what you do. And he loves you no matter what you've done. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of the father. Amen. And notice also, last right here, notice the father doesn't even come off the porch. The son, the son comes running finally. The, part, the father didn't pursue him. He didn't go to the pig pen. Hey, heard, heard by telegram, by, by a dove note. <laughs> Son's in the pig pen. Wasted all of his resources. Wasted the inheritance. He didn't go chase him. You know why? Because like you and I, this is one parable where it's actually a human involved. The other three, the other two parables was about a coin that was lost. The lady puts it in her purse so she never loses it again. The other is about a lamb, that, a sheep that is gone. He puts it around his, his neck and, and he, the shepherd puts it around his neck, brings it back home. No, this one is a human because a human has a will. Yeah, some of y'all are already ahead of me. And the father knew until you lay down your will. There's no need in coming off the porch. Some of you are like, where are you at, Lord? He's on the porch watching you. But the moment you take off your sandals, your rights, your will, and let me tell you, it's hard right now because everybody is engaging their will to make, make right, make some kind of truth, which is their truth, of the instability. Create your own stability. I'm telling you, God is shaking that and you're fighting God himself. And everything that you find to be solid and true and faithful and consistent is going to be in the Word of God. You taking off your sandals, picking up the sandals of sonship. And he comes off the porch. He says, man, I've been waiting for you to come home. Don't even tell me what you did. I just love you. Here's your robe. Here's your ring. Here's your sandals. Let's have a party. By the way, next Saturday, we're going to have a party. Next Sunday, we're going to have a party. Sunday, don't come here Saturday. Saturday, we're going to set up Sunday. <laughs> Let me give you three questions you can ask for yourself. Are you willing to remove your shoes? I'm just pausing because right now the Holy Spirit is showing you many different areas of your life that you have not been willing to remove your shoes. And I, I, I can see it. I can't see it naturally. I can see it spiritually. Are you willing to lay down your rights? Because we're living in the most traumatic season of our, our lives, lives ever. Mental health, boom. Number two is this. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing? 
Right now, my world's getting shaken. What am I holding on to to be truth? It's not providing for me. It's not giving me a sound mind. And all it's causing is more deeper cycles in my life. And guess what? Here's what that is. What that causes is generational iniquities. And now it becomes natural through the trauma that you're making choices out of and your kids are going to feel the effects. You're going to grow up. You're going to get into later years and you're going to be wonder, wondering, what is wrong with them? Yeah. Last one is this. What are you not doing that you should be doing? We're sons and daughters of the king. When you're sons and daughters of the king, you got king business to tend to. So what's competing in your life with the king's business? I'm gonna pray for you. Holy Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Are you for them? Are you for us? No. It's not your way. It's my way. If you'll be so bold to reposition yourself in right alignment spiritually with the Lord and just say, Lord, we repent for grasping so tightly our rights. We repent for through this season, allowing our will to become so strong that we were controlling you right out of our lives. Ask for forgiveness. Lay down our, our rights. We ask you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, this week, please talk with us about the brokenness, the trauma, the wounds, the lies that we've believed, and help us navigate through your word to find truth, to find foundation, a firm ground. Let us be fertile soil that produces a hundredfold for you, for your kingdom, that blesses our families for generations to come. In Jesus, come on, can somebody say it with me? In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. amen.